with a lot of content that you're not going to 100% make yourself, and I'm talking about whether it's written, if you need a logo created for your company or stuff like that, if it's going to go to another person, whether that's outsourcing to a platform, to an agency, to a service, to a, a team member, the more direction you can give up front, usually the better. For our company, the Startup Hype Man logo, if you've seen that, you know, we kind of modeled it off the Air Jordan logo, but it's me jumping with a microphone in the other direction. I had that designed for $20 on Fiverr or Upwork. But here's the thing. I knew to a T, I could see in my head, I just didn't have the skill myself to do it. The less you rely on them to create your vision, the better it'll be. If you want them to figure out your vision, you're probably going to be disappointed and have a lot of frustration along the way. If you know your vision and you can articulate that to them and their job is to just kind of go to work from there, you're going to have a really good output at the end of the day. Hello, bonjour, ni hao, como estas? Welcome to Champagne Strategy, a business podcast which reveals the secrets behind world-class growth strategy, garnished with a sprinkling of tech and champagne. We interview experts within the revenue engine of organizations who have bridged this gap between planning, execution, and measurement. And these people will have battle scars to show, skin in the game, and money in play. There's zero commercial agenda here, so heeding their wisdom is priceless. Listen to this episode if you dare, but you've been warned, there's no going back. Has your marketing plan ever included the production of music or a rap album? Well, Raj has, and he's just dropped his debut album, an album talking about B2B SaaS. Who even does that? Is a harebrained creativity gone wild, or is there some method to the madness? This is something we just have to get the scoop on. It doesn't matter if you like music, rap, or Raj's tracks or not. In this episode, you'll learn about a few mediums all rolled into one. And it starts with audio or sonic branding, then goes into how to craft a sales pitch in the context of startups, but could be used for anything, and then finishes with events. But of course, there's strategy throughout, and after listening, you'll understand how all of these things link together. After all, this is one of the hallmarks of good strategy, a coherent set of actions. So yes, you'll learn about how to pitch a business idea or startup to investors. And yes, you'll learn about how to design a good event. And you'll learn some of the secrets behind music and creative production. But the more important learning here is exactly how Raj uses this music he's produced to drive value and achieve business goals. And that story is the most interesting one. One that no one else has discussed with him until now. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Rajiv Nathan, aka Raj Nation. Okay, welcome to the show, Raj. How you doing? I am doing great. Your new album just came out. I was listening to it. Can you just tell me a bit about where that sort of came from, where that idea originated? It has been an idea years in the making. I originally had the idea to do a startup-themed rap album in like 2017. Funny enough, there was actually this competition in Chicago being put on by one of the newspapers called the Big Idea Awards. And it was just, it was kind of like an open call for like submission of like, what's your big cool idea? And I literally saw the flyer for it the afternoon that the submissions were due, like that night, I think, or, or the next morning they were due. And again, it, it had been brewing for some time, like, oh, I want to make this startup rap thing a concept. So I went to the studio and I recorded a single track and I had been like working on it for a bit. And all I needed to do was just like, you know, lay the audio down. That song was called Wake Up, Raise Up. I actually borrowed slash stole a Timbaland beat for that. <laughs> <laughs> and the song was, it was kind of an ode to female founders and the struggle that they face raising capital in a predominantly male investing world. And then lo and behold, I actually made it in as a finalist. And the other finalists was like, you know, like a funky ice cream truck. Some of them actually were startups themselves. And then just some other like cool ideas in general. And there was this big event for it. And I didn't win the whole thing, but a lot of people were interested. You know, people liked the song. And I actually even added a second song just for my like display at the event. But at that time, my thought was more like, if I do a rap album, it's going to be like schoolhouse rock, but for startups. So I'm going to teach pitching. I'm going to teach sales. I'm going to teach marketing, but through rap music. <laughs> and then over time, I mean, I just I sat on the idea forever. And then finally, it came a time where I met the right people and had the amount of time in my schedule. And I had built enough experience over the years 
to where like, you know, me as a founder had built up enough experience. And then with our company working alongside other founders had gleaned enough experience from them to be able to write lyrics and music that would be really powerful and meaningful. And, and it didn't need to be, you know, almost like naturally. I don't think there was a specific moment where I was like, oh, it's actually not going to be teaching concepts. It's just somehow naturally it just became, I'm writing music that is me being the voice of this person, not me trying to like teach this person. And that's, you know, that's how the album came together. And, you know, Goat to Market being the title, that's a term I came up with about a year ago. And we built an entire kind of like brand platform around Goat to Market. And now the the album kind of serves as like the anchor to the entire platform. It's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people start maybe with writing or video and then sort of audio is an afterthought. It's like, oh, well, we'll finish the production and then we'll, we'll put some kind of track to it. And, you know, they'll get some B-grade stock music or something or maybe some sound effects. But then I've listened to other sort of podcasts or videos and they do a really good job with the audio. It's a main part of the podcast or the production. Mm-hmm. And it really changes the quality perception of it, I think, and, and puts you to a whole new level. And there's this term sonic branding or audio branding. You notice Intel have that sort of clip and Microsoft yeah. have little sound bites, but then there's like backing tracks as well. And I think a lot of people cheapen out on the backing track because, you know, hmm. sometimes it costs money for, for a good track. But, you know, when you've gone and produced your own, you can use that in lots of different ways. Which ways are you finding you can use these tracks you've now produced or, or bits of them? I like that question. So even before the album was out, uh, you know, because I had the music's actually been done for a few months, right? I was progressively making this over the last year. <laughs> and one of the songs on the album is called Thankless. And the beat for that, I started using as the introduction for our podcast and the outro intro and the outro music for our podcast. I started using that six months ago before the album came out. And so that's just one example of being able to use the music. We've found in some of the digital content we've been posting, like to promote the album or to promote the big release week that we're doing called Hype Week, we can drop the instrumental of one of the beats in like into a video. I actually even have an MMA league reaching out, wanting to use the the instrumental for like the lead into their programming. So, you know, it's not only are we able to use it for our own purposes, but also there are, you know, potentially now there are other brands or entities that want to get in on this and and have the music represent their property as well. When you were getting some of the sampling or, or, or parts of the track, where are you finding inspiration from to sort of layer all those things into? Like you said, you, you remixed um, uh, uh, some inspiration from, from another person's <laughs> album. Yeah. Where else did you get some of this stuff from? So that song actually didn't make the cut for, for Goat to Market because I didn't have the licensing to be able to, to use Timbaland's music. However, all the beats were custom made for me working with my creative director and our producer. So there's no AI in this? No, no AI generation in this, not in the lyrics, not in the, the beats themselves. All the lyrics 100% written by me and all the, uh, all the raps 100% delivered and performed by me. The creative process was a pretty cool back and forth with the three of us, myself, our creative director and the producer. I'd have an idea for a song and I'd be like, I kind of need the beat to go something like this. And I just like make a voice note and like hum it, do, 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 you know, something like that. And then what I would do, the creative director and I, after we'd talk about that, then we would create a collaborative Spotify playlist of other songs that mirror the energy or the vibe that we want to go for, for this song. And then we would package those two things up together and send that to the producer. And then the producer would come back with three ideas or like three examples for like what that song could be. And then we'd iterate from there and pick the one and then build on top of it. Okay. So long story short, get a producer to help you with it, but give them a sort of creative brief almost. (laughs) Yeah. I think here's what I think. Like with a lot of content that you're not going to a hundred percent make yourself like, and I'm talking about whether it's written if you need like a logo created for your company or, or a creative, right? Stuff like that. If it's going to go to another person, whether that's outsourcing to a platform, to an agency, to a service, to a, a team member, the more direction you can give up front, usually the better. For our company, the Startup Hype Man logo, if you've seen that, it's a pretty strong logo. You know, we kind of modeled it off the Air Jordan logo, but it's me jumping with a microphone in the other direction. Now, I had that designed for $20 on Fiverr or Upwork. But here's the thing. I knew to a T 
how I wanted. Like I could see in my head, I just didn't have the skill myself to do it. So the more clear direction you're able to give, and I'm not saying there aren't talents out there who you can just kind of like blue sky it with and they'll be amazing. That does exist. But I think one of your earlier things, you know, you kind of held up like your hand, like things cost money, right? If you're going to do things on a budget and go, you know, the outsourced route that's, that costs less money, the less you rely on them to create your vision, the better it'll be. If you want them to figure out your vision, you're probably going to be disappointed and have a lot of frustration along the way. If you know your vision and you can articulate that to them and their job is to just kind of go to work from there, maybe a couple of follow-up questions, but they can just go to work. You're going to have a really good output at the end of the day. Yeah. Just like this. Just nothing like crazy. Just like this. Let me just vibe out just a little bit longer just to get into the next track, you know? Like... This the medium for GTM, the seed and stem, believe it's the reason behind your BPM. That's from morning till it's 3 p.m. Like a long arm box of far crowds, I'm reaching them. Now picture that, like a JPEG without the E, cause any way you file it, last thing is you respect the G. Put some respect on me, the truth is on my throat. Why be a unicorn when you can be the GOAT? Yeah, no, I think it's really true of like all creative production in a way. If you don't have that sort of what your brand voice is, what your principles are, sort of the look and feel, that sort of macro kind of stuff. Yeah, if you don't have that written down, if you can't articulate that, the length of that process is so much longer because they're having to do a bit more of a discovery phase. So, you know, we kind of talk about briefing here in a way, but I think it's really important if you don't maybe have your skill set or your background, maybe hire someone that can help articulate that first for you. And then when it comes to the finished production, that's when you hire an agency or a producer or something to then finish off that last part. But I think a lot of people see those two things as one and the same, and that's kind of where these projects drag out a bit. But I think it's it's knowing your skill set, right? And the more you can parse down down the micro skills within that to know, okay, here's what I can own. Here's what I can't own. Then you figure out how you collaborate the right way. Yeah. Hey, and, and just um, on this track as well, because I know you've used this as intros to some of your events and everything like this. What sort of advantages do you find around this like that a really differentiating factor of like helped you sell an idea or a product or, or whatever? Like, have you seen that sort of in a live environment, just really switch, switch a light on in the room and like convert people way more than anybody else in comparison? Like, is there any studies you've done or split tests or anything like that? You know, I haven't done any split tests, but uh, just anecdotally. So one of the songs on the album is called the NXT. That beat we have used several times to start webinars as people are entering the room. So like, you know, this entire year almost, or this whole summer rather, uh, at least this whole summer, we've used that, you know, we did probably did a dozen webinars and each one used that as the lead beat. You know, just first like few minutes as people are settling in, as they're entering, as you're, you know, asking them to like drop their name in the chat, that kind of stuff. But you'll notice without even prompting them, they will comment and be like, oh, this is vibes. Oh, this, I feel good. I'm ready to learn now. Right. So it's just like a nice like way to gather some attention without having to be like, okay, everybody pay attention and be like a teacher or professor about it. People just start paying attention. So I think that's really valuable in that respect. There are other ways audio can be explored as well. Like if it's not going to be how you lead in a webinar, because I'll say this, just last point on on the lead of a webinar, it's very awkward when it's just silence (laughs) and people are entering and the host is like, okay, we'll get started in a couple seconds. Yeah, Yeah, we're just waiting for everyone to come in. Yep. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Remember to uh, adjust your settings. So your chat message goes to everyone, not just to the host and the panelists. Right. And the funny thing is like, you can say those same things, but when there's music behind it, now it just has like a different energy. And I will do that, right? I'll host a webinar. I'll be like, you know, you'll have different energy as the host because there's music, but then they'll, it won't feel so like strict or even just like dry or boring, right? You got this beat playing and you're like, what's up, everybody? We're about to get, we're about to get started. Have a seat, settle in, grab your coffee, grab your beer, grab your milk, wherever you are in the world, based on your time zone, grab your lunch, grab your dinner, let me know in the chat where you're tuning in from. And then, you know, and people already, even before you say that are already, again, they're typing in there like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling relaxed now, or I'm feeling jazz. This is great. You know, I love this music. Where's this beat from? That kind of thing. Um, but then I think the other point I was going to make is like, you could also use some of the, you know, this idea of audio, you could also use it for in between of content. It doesn't just have to be the start or the end. Um, I've even, I, like, for example, I've toyed around before with 
if you're familiar with the Hamilton musical, uh, yes, you know, super yeah, yeah. popular in America, big inspiration for me, one of my favorite just creative works ever. I built an entire webinar on how to create really strong sales presentations. And I came up with that concept, like with the format by modeling it off of the Hamilton musical storytelling structure. And that's how I built a propri- kind of our own proprietary model for how to build a compelling sales deck. And in the webinar teaching that, I incorporate clips from the musical as we're talking about different points, right? So I might have the first part of, of the opening song queued up for like slide seven. And that's a way like, you know, halfway through to get people like reinvested because now they're like, wait, what? You know, if, if maybe if they started like looking at a different browser tab. When it comes to content, my philosophy is you can create content or you can create can't sleep content. Can't sleep content, it is so different or unique or engaging or compelling or just like shock value, whatever it is. It's so insert adjective here that the person who has consumed it or who is consuming it quite literally can't go to sleep that night until they have talked to someone else about it or some, or some version of that, right? Like a good example would be, I have an actual email in my inbox from a VC who I sent the album to. And within like 20 minutes, his reply was, dude, this is so fire. I was planning to play this as my background music while working, but now I had to stop everything and do nothing but listen to this. It's that good. Wow. Right. That's I mean, I'm flattered and floored by that compliment, but that's an example of can't sleep. You know, his version of can't sleep was I can't even continue working (laughs) because I have to just invest myself in this right now. And that's the thing, right? How do you stop it? How do you turn heads? How do you stop people in their tracks? I'm not saying everyone should go out here and create a, a hip hop album. Most people shouldn't, in fact. But how do you take the assets you're already, you already have? How do you take the engagements you're already doing and just turn the dial up a little bit on them to make someone be like, well, that's different. I haven't seen it delivered that way before. Or that was cool. They used music in that or what, you know, whatever the thing might be. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just at a wedding um, maybe a month ago in Melbourne and uh, the MC was the DJ for the wedding and it was a completely different vibe, but this, like most DJs though, um, this person could actually command a room, knew how to work or knew the right things to say. And then he laid that on top of his musical skills. So then, you know, during all the addresses, like, cause you know, we're eating there and the, everyone's having dinner and stuff and the speeches are coming up and they're sort of like, you know, every 10 or 20 minutes, that would be the next sort of segment or speech or whatever. And this person, mm-hmm. this person just had the right music in the background, the lead up to it. And then, you know, he'd dial it down when he started talking and just knew the right things to say. It was a completely different like seamless kind of cool vibe. And the other thing it did, it was sort of like uh, disarmed a lot of people who were afraid of public mm. speaking from coming up and it created this kind of like, yeah, cool, getting on stage, you know, it's just kind of way more relaxing than just silence. Okay, it's time for XYZ to speak. Let's come up and everyone will clap and then awkward silence, you know, it just it sort of bridged that that silent gap. And and another example I heard, so there's an airline called Virgin. You've got it in America too, Virgin yeah. Atlantic, but anyway, it's one of our domestic carriers too, right? It's kind of like United or or Delta, right? Sure. I never knew that. I never knew Virgin was also <laughs> in Australia. Well, but when you're getting on the plane, you know, which is a pretty stressful time for a lot of people, you know, they're trying to put the bags up there and you know, everyone's mm-hmm. jostling for seats. They play a lot of music to kind of like calm everybody down as you're onboarding. And I found that just really interesting. And then when you land, they do the same thing as well. So it sort of just relaxes everyone and goes, don't worry, yeah. you know, listen to the track while you're looking down the aisle waiting yeah. to get out of this thing. I've heard, you know? I've heard something like that before. Yeah. You know, another good example of something like that is... They're only a domestic airline here in the U.S., but Southwest Airlines, yes. um, you know, they've become really popular because they have lower fares and there's like no check bag fees and they're not, they're not, but they're also not like a budget airline mm-hmm. to where you have to like, you know, pay just to have us, you know, pay to like go through the gate like some of those airlines exist, um, pay to like access the airport, <laughs> those things. But I think Southwest has a really good culture as a company where their employees feel empowered in whatever way to like just have fun and connect with the passengers. So, you know, you'll see a lot of YouTube clips or Instagram videos. And I've been on flights like this myself before where the flight's going to take off and they will do like the safety reading in like a Looney Tunes character voice or, 
you know, when the plane lands and they're trying to tell you about like, you know, the, the, the process for deplaning, they'll turn it into almost like a stand-up comedy routine. Those are the things that, to come back to the point from before, there's the norm, right? <laughs> there's, the, there's the standard way of doing it. And that's how everyone can do it. And then there's going a step above to get someone, you know, the Southwest example is the version of can't sleep there, can't, you know, can't sleep content there is people on the plane. They start to take out their phone and record the voiceover because they're like, oh, I got to share this with my friends or I got to post this on I really think I should go on vacation, but recently these VCs sneakily screaming me like push notifications and it's no motivation. I'm going coast to coast just to have doors closing my faces cards face up and I'm showing them aces they say they ready to disrupt but they so into stasis these poker faces on the road but I ain't a joker the ledger said I'm the chosen son but y'all are staying fair with no, I love that like I think that kind of culture starts really at the core at the top of the, the, the hierarchy you know what I mean and then filters down from there so the norm gave permission for everyone else to kind of do that and even though he's not with the airline anymore I think that DNA still still runs throughout the airline but yeah look mm-hmm. it up the, the something rumble Southwest Airlines rumble or something okay. it's really really funny so but yeah, like on that thing, you mentioned you do a lot of pitching. You help founders craft a better pitch to to investors. Um, can you just run me through where that came from? And, and if you want to give like a really quick rundown, I know there's a lot of nuance to it, but like what is it? Yeah, what is sure. a bit of your process there to, to have a better pitch? Yeah, so the, the premise of Startup Hype Man is there's just the notion that we talk to so many founders um, and company leaders who suffer from what we call rush hour syndrome. If you've ever seen the Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan movie, awesome rush movie. Hour, where he says, yeah, you know, he says, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right. That classic scene. That's what a lot of these people find themselves in when it comes to presenting their company. Right. Um, they have this big picture idea in their head of the way the world is supposed to be because of their great product. But then when they pitch, they are getting people scratching their heads, looking confused and saying, huh, what is it again? Or I think even worse, the reaction they get is, oh, I get it. Another insert generic app, right? Which I think that's even an even worse response. And you know, when the stakes are this high, when you're out there trying to raise capital or go to market, you really can't afford to be another anything. You got to be the only you. And that's where we come in and we, you know, to, to use the, the, the branding again, we help these companies become, as we like to say, the goat to market. And we do that through helping them figure out the right pitch that's going to stand out and stand apart. So their audience recognizes them not as the best, but as the only. And when you are seen as the only, the confused looks turn into people writing checks, whether that's investors or customers. Nice. I like it. So on that though, I, I noticed um, in one of your previous podcasts, we, and I've had this trouble as well, like just explaining what it is you do as a company can be very hard, um, especially if it's something quite new or niche or very technical. Yeah. Translating that answer to that question and you know we've all had, had this issue you, you you go to an event and people go oh so what do you do oh i run a Starbucks. so what does that do and you're like it's a um you know and you end up more confused than before you yeah. even like knew anything about yeah, it it's like that scene of silicon <laughs> valley you know the tech crunch uh, scene and they yeah. go we're, we're using you know, ai data you know interfaces with blah blah blah, blah. and then the people go what and the crowd's like silent and then they go well making the world a better place <laughs> and there's like every, every pitch uh, yeah. is like that after one another <laughs> and um and it the is, crowd goes crazy <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny and that's kind of the running joke you know that everyone's it's full back you know is, is making the world a better place but um you know when you've got something yeah. very technical like that or like whatever i find i mean there's my technique but i want to know how you translate it i sort of like just to look yeah. back into okay well the five whys okay well why do they need that and then why do they need that why do they need that and you sort of work back up the hierarchy to like a higher order need or layers of value, as I call them, like which is a combination of benefits and, and costs reduction sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And I sort of lay the back up, deconstruct into like value elements and then sort of recraft a very simple pyramid scheme. So it's like top level, okay, well, we help, you know, something. And they go, okay, I get it, but also how do you help that? And then you go to the next level. We do that through X, Y, Z. Okay, tell me more about X, you know, and then you sort of step down from there. And then I find I kind of use that as the architecture for then crafting something. And then 
if it's a, something very technical, still, I might use analogies. So something else, mm-hmm. like another reference point that they may be more familiar with or a product use case or another service and just go, we're kind of like that <laughs> without you saying we're the Uber for X. But you might use analogies like that to sort of like help translate that. I'll put them in like what, what I call a category in their mind so that they can kind of re- sure. reference something that already exists, especially if you're creating a new category. So is there any sort of ways you go about doing that without giving away too much of your secret sauce? The first thing is the less technical, the better, particularly the more technical your company actually is. The the best example I think of this is take any company that's building on blockchain. I promise you the first thing out of their mouth you will hear is, we're a blockchain enabled whatever. And I always, my response to that is always, for the rest of us who are not building our products on blockchain, you don't hear us starting with, we're hosted on AWS or we're hosted on Google Cloud. So blockchain's a function. It's not like, it's not the end all be all. Uh, don't at me on that. <laughs> now, the, the hierarchy in which to speak. So when you asked me about, you know, hey, what does Startup Hype Man do? And I gave you that rush hour thing. Like I, I told you a 60 second story there. And it, I mean, you tell me, did it sound kind of off the cuff? Yeah. Or did it sound natural it did, enough? It, it did, but I'm sure it's not the first time you've said that. That is my company's elevator pitch I just gave you. And that's something I know exactly. Like, I can say it naturally because I know it really well. That's what I tell any entrepreneur, any marketer, any seller. Know what you want to say well so it doesn't sound scripted ever or rehearsed. But I, almost, I, I bet if I looked at our document of what is our elevator pitch, I said it. I probably maybe changed five words, but I otherwise said it to a T. And I follow a very specific structure, which is our, you know, the formula we teach founders and 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 sales teams for their marketing or for their, excuse me, for their elevator pitch is the formula is called que pasa, which if, if anyone knows Spanish, que pasa means what's up or what's happening. And that's really what you're supposed to do is just tell people what's up with your company. And P-A-S-A is the acronym out of that. You've trademarked that, right? Yes, exactly. I saw that. Yeah. So the K-Pasa elevator pitch formula is P-A-S-A, problem, approach, solution, action. So when I gave you mine there, I led when I was like, hey, like the whole like gist of this thing is that we talk to these founders every day who suffer from this rush hour syndrome, right? And I talked through that being the problem and then how it's leading to people being confused and people being confused leads to them not knowing what they do or categorizing them the wrong way and not writing checks. Approach is it's a problem and then approach. Approach is like the catchy one-liner um, that's almost like your ultimate brand promise to your audience. So in this case, I said, hey, we help these founders become the goat to market. So that's our approach, become the goat to market. Then the solution, I talked about, we do this pitch development. I said, hey, it's really pitches designed to stand out and stand apart. Um, And so they go from looking confused to writing checks. And then action is just kind of like the call to action. Like, how do you carry the conversation forward from there? Do you, you know, what, what do you ask them? Like, what do you want them to do? That's going to, you know, kind of modify based on the situation. But I didn't necessarily, you know, I knew in that moment in an upfront introduction, I could have told you our entire five, six step process in building a pitch. Like what? Like what's the pitch kit we create for clients, all that stuff. I chose to go high level with our solution because in hearing it for the first time, I know you can only absorb so much information. So I'm gonna intentionally go light and say just enough to generate interest for someone to say, then say, okay, wait, wait, tell me more about that. And that's my opportunity to still not go deep into like the technology if I was, had a tech product, but to talk more about why the solution makes sense, more about who it's for and how it connects to the audience and what is the thing it actually does. Yeah. And then, and then like the next step from there would be like, okay, you want to go a bit deeper, maybe you're talking to a head of tech or something and like, then you start talking about maybe some of the underlying you know, infrastructure or how it integrates in with other systems and things like that. Like that's only, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, depending on like, if you're talking to a tech person, like a technical person and they want that information, go for it. Otherwise, anyone who's running a tech startup right now, I promise you the majority of people do not want to know your flow chart of, of your tech stack. 
and how someone goes from login to you know result. Isn't it funny because everyone pitches the reverse? They go, they start with that, and then they and they go back up the yeah. layers in reverse. It's like the pyramid sort of writing principle. It's really funny. Right. Yeah, no, no, I really. Like I, I'll that. tell you, I've seen a lot of pitch decks. You know, we'll work on pitch decks, but we'll take we'll see the original one that they had first. And it's amazing how many how many startups and entrepreneurs think that it's necessary to tell someone else like like show the step of getting of a user getting their login credentials. Like no duh, that's going to be part of the process. Why are you wasting headspace and real estate on your slide with that information? It's totally unnecessary. We understand that in order for someone to be a user on this platform, they have to be a user on the platform. <laughs> Don't talk to me about that. Yo, Patagonia, what's up, man? Me? Yeah, you come over here, bro. What brings you here? I'm just trying to network. I created an app. I'm trying to meet some like-minded founders. Oh, founder, huh? Yeah. What'd you, what'd you find, man? Oh, what did I find? Yeah. I uh, created an app. It's called Book League. Uh, we have a million users. Ooh. Just trying to encourage the habit of reading. Oh, that's cool, man. A million users. That's yeah. real traction. That's yeah. cool, yeah. You want some funding? What? Some funding, dog. You want some money in your pocket or what? Not really. I was trying to bootstrap this myself. Psh, bootstrap it. Come on, bro. Let me get you some of this funding. Make everything way easier. You want to scale, don't you? I do want to scale, but I want to do it myself and I don't want to lose equity. Fuck all that. Come on, man. Let me get you some of this funding, man. You're going to want to be able to acquire customers faster. You're going to be able to make real moves like a boss. They call it dry powder, man, and you're going to need this dry powder so your shit can blow up. So come on, let me get you a little taste of this funding. Let me set up a couple of meetings. Come on. All right, man. Just, just a taste, though. Hey, so speaking about pitch deck, this is something I wanted to ask you because I, back in the day, like, you know how those sort of like original decks from Uber or, you know, very famous companies, you know, it's like, hey, this is the deck that they used for to raise, you know, $60 million and become a unicorn, right? And um, that's really cool. And, but I look at the decks and I'm like, some of them sort of follow a similar process to what you said, like problem solution, like why now? Like very basic narrative in terms of agitate the problem, find out why it's relevant now and, you know, the opportunity and sort of tease that out and then sort of where we're at and maybe some of our team. But I find... A lot of those people can suffer from survivorship bias when you're looking at pitch decks because if you go back and look at all the successful pitch decks, sometimes you go, oh, well, it must be something in those decks that is the reason that they raised money. But what is hidden sometimes underneath is the brand layer. So it's the the founders. It's like their second time founders or they're, they're like mm. ex-PayPal mafia. And that's like, that's why there yeah. was inherent trust there. So like the pitch can pitch deck can be worse because- there they got so much trust there with the investors or whatever that you know it doesn't really matter what you put in the pitch deck it could be like pitches of unicorns and someone's still going to give you money like, um, like the airbnb deck isn't actually that good no right no i saw that it's like what <laughs> it's like built on like microsoft paint it's terrible it's like clip art or something yeah. yeah it's really bad so like um i'm just saying like how in your experience how important is the deck and getting that narrative right versus like maybe ignoring that sort of brand level factor of the founders themselves and, and that sort of like maybe it's the second time or third time or you know something like that or they come yeah. from like x this or x that and like that's the factor i mean if you've you know if you've got a lot of good connections you're coming from a strong exit somewhere else obviously that helps and perhaps the pitch deck is less important i think for the 99 percent of those who don't have that as their background the pitch deck is really important and it's not that you necessarily will bring it out in every meeting and straight go through the pitch but what it is functionally doing for you is getting the story straight at least for yourself so that you can talk about it whether it's in a structured like slide for slide setting or a, ca a casual coffee meeting where the deck never comes out and you need to be talking about your company and know what are the different stories i need to pull out in talking about about this. Um, that's why it's so important to, to just to get the narrative from start to finish figured out. Otherwise, every time, otherwise you end up, and this is what we have a lot of our founders end up happening to them when they come, you know, when they come to us is like, I'm on version 84 of my pitch deck because I keep making a tweak here and a tweak there and whatever. And the idea is get this one master pitch figured out and you might tailor it to the situation, but you're not like, you're not revising it so much so heavily every time. And really the tailoring is almost more like you picked up some traction. So you, you adjusted a number, those kinds of things, or you, you know, you got a new learning. So you added that into the deck. 
But, you know, we literally had someone show us their desktop and it was just like one of our, one of our clients before they were those, they screen shared their desktop and the entire desktop was filled with PowerPoint files. And I don't know how many you can fit on that desktop, probably 90 plus. And it was just, it was literally all like brand name, pitch deck, V1.5, D, V1.7, V3.2. <laughs> You know, it's funny. Um, I, I just had that experience recently with a, with another founder, and uh, it was the same sort of thing. They'd been obsessing over this thing for like um, like months, right? And like every time he showed me the deck, it was get longer and longer, and then it sort of like loses its meaning almost because it's like they're trying to add everything in there, but then in in that sort of process, you're losing the essence of like the storyline, and so then it just didn't flow together. Now, um, this is really interesting when it comes to presentations. I was speaking to another mate who does you know keynote presentations, and he's like, I always start with the story. I know I actually start with how I want them to feel at the end of the presentation then I reverse engineer that back into a narrative from start to finish like starts mm -hmm. here goes here very simply right and then I then fill in the visuals and the text and then you know everything else and then I sort of put that in and I think a lot of people do it in reverse they sort of start with a blank you know powerpoint or template um with some sort of loose structure and then they start just writing things in find pictures and then and then it sort of like loses cohesion so question to you is there like a common mistake that you see all the time when it comes to pitching that you wish people didn't go down or like just something to be aware of if, if people are like doing this like hey reach out to some a professional to sort of help you out with your pitch yeah i mean whether you reach out to a professional or just figure it out on your own i think you shouldn't start by opening up powerpoint or opening up slides um in our process we actually we use just like a word document or a google document first and start outlining things before we ever go to slides but there's too much pressure to figure out what to say that has to be perfect i think if you start with the blank white canvas that is slides because now and, and also you're 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 mad Mashing two different creative processes together into one thing. Even if you're just planning to like, you know, write a header or a title on each slide and bullet points underneath that, your brain is thinking about visual creativity. Even if it's not great visual creativity, it's thinking about visual creativity when it should be thinking about what is the, what's the idea I'm trying to get across? What's the feeling? What's the story that needs to be told? The person you're referencing, I think that's fantastic if the first thing they think about is what's the emotion? That's something that I heavily subscribe to as well because the idea, you know, one of the lessons we teach is don't think like an entrepreneur think like an entertainer because an entertainer just cares about making that emotional connection with their audience and getting them to feel something and then they you know the music the musician on stage or the band curates the set list really around like where do we want to take them you know, what, what emotion do we want them walking away with by the end of this um, set? You know, and funny enough for our release party for the album, you know, we're doing like a 12, 13 song set list. We're doing the, the whole album and more. Well, you, what do you think I did? I constructed, I included the songs and I constructed the order of the songs based on what energy do I want them walking out of here with? Yep. 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 No, I, I really noticed that it's sort of, it was very purposeful when you did that. So, so with any creative production, right, like producing it is the first hurdle. But I think then getting that in front of people, like into their, their attention and branding it into their, their mind and getting to stay there and maybe reinforce that is like the, the main struggle. Like I think when people create content that I use this 80-20 rule, but a lot of people get in reverse. They spend 80% of the resources producing it, 20% maybe promoting and distributing it. And I think for me, it's like almost the opposite. <laughs> uh, you need like yeah. almost four times, you know, more for the distribution, especially if you don't have those assets in the background, like a big newsletter, a big following or whatever that so you know it's going to be expensive um otherwise no one's going to see it so um in your experience say we've created this this pitch or we've created this audio asset or whatever like how important is distribution how do you go about doing that i think the biggest mistake to make is to assume people are paying attention the first time you say something. If I go back to, so my previous business, the podcast that we launched with that, you know, like we, we, we announced it in our newsletter and like two weeks ago and by and I was like, wait, why is no one listening to this? And I was like, oh, well, I don't know how we came to the realization. We're like, we should probably tell them again that it exists and keep reminding them that it exists. And then people started to, you know, listen and download as we kept reminding them. Um, so that, I think that's true, whether it's this album now, whether it's a podcast, whether it's anything, it's like, if you want people to pay attention, you got to say it loudly and you got to say it often. So with our release for the Goat to Market album, it's a it's kind of pulling together a few different things over these first few weeks. So we have our own distribution channels, which is email newsletter and primarily LinkedIn. You know, and I'm using like my own my personal social media like Instagram and Twitter and stuff as well. That's the owned channels. What and then on top of that, we did you know we we're doing this whole release party and hype week stuff too. I saw that actually. Sorry, I can't make it a bit bit too far away, but it looked really <laughs> a bit good. Too far away, I saw yeah. I saw the promo right. and you kind of did this almost like it sort of looks like a like an artist doing music sort of like yeah, like a music festival, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 that's how like we did the graphics for it because that's the idea, right? It's yeah. celebration of the tech community. Let's give it this music festival vibe. 
And there's some pretty, you know, like I want to say oddball, but there's like unique events in the week. So we've got there's there's, you know, the highlight is the the concert, the release party. But we also have, you know, an event called Venture Hoops, which is we're getting together. We're bringing together several venture capitalists and venture partners in our ecosystem for uh, along with one of our clients called Swish House, which is a basketball fitness class. And we're doing networking, but like it's a networking event, but in a contained basketball fitness class. So it's like, you know, we're going to be teammates and, and, and athletes together and then we'll hang out afterwards. You know, like that's one of the events. We also have a morning fun run and walk along the lakefront in Chicago. Um, we have a watch party for a big football game where there's a private dinner event. So we're, you know, we're being pretty unique with the different events that are happening during the week. So there's just kind of something that's like a little bit for everyone and you kind of can like build your own lineup, if you will. Now that part aside, the coming back to just like that, that all of that helps influence downloads to the album because it's, it's kind of all tied back to that. But in addition, we look at the relationships we've developed over the years and we look to distribution, you know, other assets for distribution. So one example is Vidyard has the you know, the sales technology video company. They spun off a media brand called SalesFeed, which is really just it's entertaining and educational content for salespeople. I happen to be one of the like the the talent people on the talent roster to create SalesFeed content. What I do reached out to to the SalesFeed team and was like, can we? promote the album in the next sales feed newsletter. And the day of this recording, you know, it came out in their newsletter this morning, reached out to other people, you know, Devin Reed with, um, you know, he, he's the head of content at a company called Clary, but he also has built his own strong personal brand called The Reader. He's got like a nine or 10,000 person email list that every Saturday he writes to. What did he feature last Saturday? He featured the album. So we look at these relationships we developed over the years and what you'll see again over the next month or so is this rollout of people mentioning it in their, um, you know, in their their assets, whether it's their post online or whether it's their newsletter. So now, what happens each time a new person does that is it amplifies the message, but in two ways: it amplifies it to the new person who hasn't heard of this yet, gets it in front of them. But also, if you're subscribed to Devin's newsletter, you might also be subscribed to the Sales Feed newsletter. And if you didn't take action on the Sales Feed or on the you know on, on the on Devin's one, maybe now you're going to take action on Sales Feed's one because you're seeing it another time. Yep. Yep. And then on our side, we just continue to promote it through our asset, right? Like the album came out, you know, we're doing this recording on Wednesday, September 20th. The album came out on September 14th, so six days ago. Every day I've been sending an email with stuff in it and also saying, by the way, stream the album now. And I'm also collecting the feedback I'm getting and that becomes repurposable content to be like, look at the review, like the reviews are in. This is amazing. People are saying this about it. Hmm, hmm. And I will say, I'm also, you know, I'm screenshotting these things because it's my rainy day folder when I'm feeling crappy about myself. And I'm like, oh no, that's cool though. I've impacted this person this way. They had this nice compliment, this nice thing to say about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, it's just really funny because I think people forget the, the repetition side of things with distribution. They just go, okay, I'll just blast it out once and like, that's enough. But you know, my most popular episode uh, on this podcast and speaking about distribution, you know, there's another channel, but yeah. uh, the most popular one was the interview with this, this content sort of editorial content writer um, who, who is the editor of, of this branding mag, it's called brandingmag.com. Anyway, the point is she basically, because she does content kind of similar like you, she knew exactly what to do. So I provided her all the assets and then she repurposed into like images with with quotes and you know her face there and then maybe a, a small clip a video clip and then you know a text one and she dribbled it out over the, the course of like two or three months and it was that that just sort of added that another 10 people another 10 people and it sort of hit this critical mass when then you know it sort of breaks through this threshold barrier of like everybody's talking about it and then it sort of like blooms from there but i think a lot of people stop before it gets to that that inflection point and that is blast out once stop instead of like the hard grind of just keep going like keep plugging it because like even with LinkedIn, a lot of people don't come back every day. They're there like once a week for a fleeting moment and they go around again or mm -hmm. maybe once a month or like once every two months. And I find the more senior they are, the less they're sometimes on there. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like you do need to like 
do that over and over and over and over and over again. And it just gets overlooked. You know, distribution is like the key to all this. So what, what are your plans then for after this album party? Like, uh, how will you measure success of this album? My first plan is to exhale and take a day off after Hype Weekends. <laughs> I have been working day and night on Overdrive and just stressed out to the max, you know, planning this whole thing and doing the marketing and all that stuff. It's a good question. I don't know if I actually really sat down and think about what are the KPIs, but for year one, you know, people are already kind of being like, oh, is this going to be an annual thing? And I'm like, well, we'll see, <laughs> right? Year one, I'm more concerned about experience over attendance. Uh, you know, I, I, obviously we want people there. We want good numbers, but I'm looking more to, are we doing some, are we creating something that the people who come say, I want to come back for that. I can't believe I got to experience that. That was so cool. Let's do it again. Because that'll create the groundswell if we're going to do it again another time. I think it's, you know, there are, there are some like just like minimum attendance benchmarks we want to hit, which we will uh, based on how it's going right now. But I think to obsess over maxing out attendance to everything is the wrong thing for right now. Because I'd rather we deliver something that, again, is can't sleep worthy for slightly less people than be overwhelmed because we can't actually handle the number, the, the higher number of people, and then it's a bad experience. And then the next time we want to do something, people are like, eh, I'm not going to go back. They hosted something that was terrible. So you basically created your own festival, like a, a mini SSXW or something, right? Almost. I mean... <laughs> Planting the seeds. <laughs> That's a lofty comparison, but uh, that, you know, the idea... If we can get it to something like that, that'd be cool. Yeah. But yeah. the idea really is, it is, it's a mini festival, yeah. right? And, you know, we're doing a little bit different where it's not like it's day long events or conferences. It's like, hey, there are mini, there are mic, there are individual events happening throughout the week. And then, you know, we form the right partnerships to pull this off. So for example, you know, some of the people who are coming to these things, you know, this is all happening in Chicago. Some people might live in the suburbs. Some people are coming in from out of, out of state mm -hmm. for this, mm -hmm. um, so what do you need? You need a place for them to go when there's not an event happening. So we were fortunate to form a partnership with a co-working space called Bond Collective, and they're the official co-working partner for Hype Week. So that means they're hosting one of the events, but also anyone who has a ticket to any event during the week can go to Bond Collective, show their ticket, and co-work from there for, for the day, any of the days of the week. And it's not like you only get to use it one time. You can use it all five days if you want. That's great. And you don't have to have five unique tickets. You should have one ticket to one event hmm. and you can co-work there for as much or as little of the week as you want. And so now that helps, right? If someone's going to take a train in from the suburbs, maybe they decide if I'm going to go to the taco happy hour on Tuesday, I'll come in at like two o'clock or noon work for the day and then just walk over to where the event is happening. And at the same time, you know, now it gives bond collective exposure and they, maybe they start thinking this is where we look at like how do we provide value to the partners not just how do we extract value right my goal is in that respect is i want people to experience bond collective and then be like maybe i should inquire about getting a membership here nice yeah i like that because that's exactly what i would do especially if i'm going into state for a little while like a state or hotel or whatever but i want to stay at a crummy hotel foyer and like do work there it's always awkward you know like yeah I, that I or somewhere. like the the desk in your like that's yeah the desk in your hotel room yep. with the bed behind you and it's hard to move the chair no vibes carpet no vibes right yeah no vibes <laughs> why not create the opportunity for networking the entire week because there's just a there's a hub people can go to yeah 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 no i like that okay hey um so speaking of this like uh, is there a book that you've read recently that uh, has changed your thinking for the better recently i don't know because i'm really not a great reader okay what about music uh, what about let's take this forever to read a book and what, what about an album or a music track or something that you've listened to and taken lots of inspiration from and Ooh, that's a good question. Um, there has been, I mean, this album has a lot of influences in it. You know, like the song Dry Powder is very heavily influenced by me obsessively listening to Pusha T for like a year straight. There, you know, the song The NXT is heavily influenced by listening to some Drake. So all of those things exist. Even before this album, though, you know, come back to what I said earlier, the Hamilton musical really fundamentally like changed so much for me and influenced me so much that I, you know, at the time back in 2016, I created my own little like covers and remix Hamilton album. I created a yoga class. I, I also happened to teach yoga. I created a yoga class called Hamil Flow that was yoga set to the music, but the poses are sequenced to the lyrics and the music. Yep. 
but then even just in a more philosophical sense or a more kind of creativity sense, what they count with like what I saw them do with that musical moved me so much because it was like it was fire hip hop, great music top to bottom, whether it was singing or rapping and a really good story being told about, you know, a topic I care about, which is United States history. And when I saw like that showed me what's possible if you want to start to like merge worlds together. And that's, you know, as I've built Startup Hype Man over the years, that's kind of the path I've taken is I've just, I've merged different worlds together. And this album, I think is a really good output of the influence of Hamilton. It gave me permission to say, maybe I can try to do a niche that is hip hop. It's founder rap, right? No one's done that before, but maybe I can make founder rap a thing. Okay, what about a favorite website resource that you will reluctantly share with the listeners? You know what? I am obsessed with, and we, you know, my team's even now built content on top of it, is uh, the newsletter is called Charter. C H A R T R dot C O is the website. Don't misspell it because I think it takes you to like a porn site or something like that. C H A R T R dot C O is the website. They do really good visualization. Oh, I'm subscribed to this. Yeah, the the graphs and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they really, like we use Charter as a really, we lean on Charter as a strong resource to stay on top of trends Mm -hmm. happening across industries. You know, their newsletter comes a couple times a week and it's like three micro stories of everything from video game sales to, you know, MGM casino getting a cyber attack on their, you know, on their entire servers to other things. And again, we use that really as a very much as one of our go-to resources, if not the go-to resource to make sure we, because, you know, our job in building these pitches is to not just know the business, but know the industries as well. And so this helps us just keep a pulse on things and then Sometimes we'll see something and we'll, you know, we'll go down a rabbit hole and research that thing a little bit more, that trend or that story a little bit more. So charters, and again, don't misspell it, C-H-A-R-T-R dot C-O. Okay. What about a piece of tech you can't do without because it helps you do your job better? So it's a, it could be hardware or software. Piece of tech I can't do without. Sure, microphone? Do. Yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> a microphone does help me do my job better. That's for sure. You know what? Yeah, let me go with that because I'm I'm pretty big on making sure the presentation aspect is always strong. It's rare you'll see me do a webinar like off my laptop from my home. If that's the case, it's really because like, I don't know, I had to be home that day because there was like a, a worker coming to the house. Otherwise, you'll see me in my office here in this setting. I'm very intentional about the background here. And then I want, you know, the audio to come through clean. So yeah, let's let's give a nod to to the Sure MV. I think it's the MV7 mic that I'm using. Yeah, Sure MV7. What about best quote or meme that makes you laugh every time because it's so true? <laughs> um, I don't know if I see it all the time, but I did see this meme the other day that was like, isn't it amazing how we've just normalized the plight of humanity? And then it was like, that was like someone's tweet and then the reply to that was someone being like, oh, dead on. I can't, I, it's amazing how many times I see some weird, some like crazy thing happen or some climate event happen. And I'm just like, yep, I guess that's what happens to empires. They fall every now, you know, they fall after a while. It's like, I say that. And then one click later, as I'm shopping for dog hats on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. I was actually, I was like, that's, that's kind of me over to you. You've kind of already talked about what you do, but, um, if someone doesn't know who are you, what do you do, and how do people get in contact with you? Yeah, so I covered it earlier, um, but you know, the quick one-liner: we help startups not suck at how they pitch themselves, so they can raise capital and go to market. You can find us at startuphypeman.com. Reach out to me personally on LinkedIn, Rajiv Nathan, or type in Raj Nation, all one word should show up. And be sure to listen to the album. Goat to Market is out, streaming everywhere. It's on Spotify, Apple Music. If you happen to be a title listener or a YouTube music listener, like it's on all these platforms, give it a listen. And if you like it, let me know. Shoot me a note. Sounds good. I'm not that hard to find. Well, uh, thanks very much, Raj, for, for your time today. I really appreciate it. And um, love the album. All the best. And sorry I can't make it to the event, but I really want to come. But anyway, thanks thanks again yes. for having a chat. You'll be there in spirit. And we'll give that Let's champagne go. toast to you at the end of the night. Why be a unicorn when you can be the goat? When you can be the goat. Why be a unicorn when you can be the goat? Shit.